You're listening to the Bill Kelly Podcast. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast. Critical discussions in critical times, and we are indeed in critical times. Joining us to talk about uh, what's going on in the Middle East, and again, it's a very fluid situation. We are pleased to welcome to the program uh, Professor Oral Brown, who is a professor of political science at the University of Toronto and a professor at the Monk School of Global Affairs. Uh, Professor, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time today on what has become a very hectic and very troubling time in the Middle East. Thank you. Let's let's talk a little bit about what we know so far. This started. Uh, we're doing this podcast on Monday the ninth, uh, but this began a few days ago, of course, uh, when we heard about the invasion essentially of Israel, Hamas troops and uh, paratroopers and a number of other things basically crossing the border. Uh, we're not uh, immune to the idea that missile attacks have been going on and off from for months, if not years, now, Professor. Were you surprised about the enormity of of this movement by Hamas? I was surprised by it, and obviously the Israelis were caught uh, by surprise. It was a massive intelligence and operational failure on their uh, on their part, for which they have paid an extremely heavy price in in lives. This was a carefully coordinated operation by Hamas and its uh, junior partner, at least uh, for the time being, Islamic Jihad. It was conducted from the air with uh, power gliders on land, by sea, and there was also a cyber attack, uh, which included denial of service. It was clearly something uh, that was planned for many weeks, months. The Wall Street Journal believes that it has uh, persuasive evidence that Iran was involved in the planning of this. It certainly has the hallmarks of a Iranian uh, operation. And uh, when uh, the Hamas uh, and Islamic Jihad operatives entered Israel, they went on a killing spree on a vast scale. Saturday, which was an important uh, Jewish holiday for Israel, and they were celebrating, there was a large concert, resulted in the largest bloodbath in Israeli history. Uh, to date, uh, apparently, at least 800 people were killed. perhaps of these were civilians. One-third were killed, young people who were attending a concert, and uh, they were hunted down by Hamas Islamic Jihad uh, uh, operatives. uh, uh, One by one, people were trying to hide behind trees and ditches, pleading for their lives. Uh, Others were killed... uh, at home, uh, in their kitchens, grandmothers, grandfathers, uh, parents killed in front of children. And then Hamas and Islamic Jihad were celebrating on uh, social media and supporters in Gaza. They were distributing sweets. So it reminds us why Hamas and Islamic Jihad have been listed as terrorist entities by almost every democratic state. And in Canada, Hamas and Islamic Jihad are uh, not just listed in general as uh, uh, criminal entities by a government, but this is also a listing under the Criminal Code of Canada. And this is reviewed every five years. And it was reviewed uh, in 2021 last, and they were left on the list. And the behavior uh, of uh, these Hamas and uh, Islamic Jihad operatives 
shows that this listing was well justified. How could something of this magnitude, though, uh, be organized, planned, uh, with virtually no chatter? I mean, we we know Israel, for instance, takes great pride in their intelligence gathering. We have the Five Eyes, the United States, of course, being the main player in that. And and we've heard that, you know, they can say, well, there's some talk about this or there's some troop movement going on. Nothing, nothing here at all uh, that we've heard of anyway. It, it's highly unusual for something of this magnitude to totally escape uh, the the attention of, of what we consider to be some of the most intelligent, uh, most effective intelligence agencies in the world. The Israeli intelligence agencies, uh, the domestic one and uh, foreign intelligence, Mossad, are viewed as a gold standard. Mm-hmm. And it tells us about how intelligence failures can fail, no matter how good they are. And they fail because of complacency. It can fail because of hubris. It can uh, be a failure because there's a rigid paradigm that they log themselves into and they disregard the signals. There were some analysts in Israel who had predicted that this would happen, but clearly the intelligence services were not alerted. They were not uh, able to read the signals uh, carefully. Now, it is also the case that Hamas and Islamic Jihad had learned uh, from electronic surveillance by Israel before, so they went offline. They probably communicated using very old-fashioned means of couriers, and and paper, so there were no electronic signatures uh, because we know that they were savvy electronically. There was uh, cyber warfare that they engaged in, and there was this kind of general deception where Hamas tried to project an image of, an image of moderation or that they differentiated themselves from Islamic Jihad, and buying into this notion of moderation was something that not only Israel did, but the West as well. It was something that also happened with the Taliban, uh, remember mm-hmm. that uh, at one point they were negotiating with the Taliban, Zalmay Khalilzad in the United States, thinking that they could have some kind of agreement under the belief that somehow the Taliban had changed, had moderated. But once they took over, we can see how they behave in uh, Afghanistan right now. These kind of organizations that uh, are basically terrorist organizations as per the uh, Canadian and British and OAS and the uh, European Union designation, um they don't really they don't really change and so that may have been another factor as as well this false sense uh, of security and therefore exercises and maneuvers were viewed merely as saber rattling some observers and, and we've heard from many of them over the last four days as i'm sure you have professor uh opining about what happened and why this happened are suggesting that this whole process may have started when uh, the Israeli government, I guess it was around 2005, 2006, uh, recognized uh, Hamas as, as as the legitimate government uh, for the Palestinian people, uh, that that opened the door and emboldened them. Is is is, is some, that something you agree with? It, you know, uh, there is speculation at, at this point. Uh, um, and uh, Hamas came to power uh, and then uh, it, it became a, a total dictatorship. When they came to power, they went after the opponents. They were busy throwing off uh, uh, the PA people off uh, 10-story buildings. Uh, and so there was an inkling what kind of government they were. And this was in Gaza alone, not in the rest uh, of uh, the territories, not in the West Bank. So there was never a formal recognition on the part of Israel, but... Uh, 
they decided that they had to live with it. They were not prepared to go in and remove this uh, uh, this regime. And perhaps that was a mistake. Uh, so one can speculate uh, as that being a factor. Um, and uh, there will be investigations that will go on for years. Uh, it has also been speculated by some, the internal turmoil in Israel over judicial reform also emboldened uh, uh, Hamas, uh, that uh, the fact that Israel was also preoccupied in the West Bank uh, with clashes with the militants, that may have been a factor uh, as well. And of course, uh, uh, what also is no mere coincidence, I would suggest, the timing of this attack by uh, Hamas. Uh, the Abraham Accords, which have seen Israel and four important Arab states reach a peace agreement, exchange uh, diplomats, and establish full diplomatic relations, was gaining momentum, particularly in Israeli uh, negotiations with Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia is a key country. It's not only extremely wealthy, but it is also where the two holiest sites in Islam are, uh, Mecca and uh, Medina. And this would have been an enormous breakthrough. Iran was very opposed to this because they are enemies of uh, Saudi Arabia and all those uh, countries that are allied with Saudi Arabia. And uh, they understood uh, that uh, Hamas, which is uh, an Islamic Jihad, which have often acted as proxies for Iran, they have been heavily armed by Iran, uh, that if they started this kind of conflict, that would... Uh, 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 at least greatly delay any such agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia or end it perhaps permanently. And it seems that that is happening and uh, that agreement uh, is not uh, uh, going to occur for a long time now at, at best. Not surprisingly, of course, the Iranian government has denied any involvement in this at all. I guess we come to expect that, that sort of a denial. Uh, but it seems anyway, Professor, that there might be some sense of coordination here. Uh, the attack certainly by Hamas over the last number of days, and we're we're told that there are still some Hamas cells within Israel uh, that maybe are trapped in there now because Israel fortified their border. Uh, but at the same time, to the north, of course, you've got Hezbollah, uh, who have there have been some incursions there, which has forced Israeli soldiers to actually work on two different fronts at this point right now. Is, is is this part of a master plan? It, it seems highly unlikely that this is really happenstance, that that would happen. It would not be surprising that Iran would like to see a regional conflagration because it would play to its advantage. And we know that there are now clashes already on the northern border and that there have been attempts at intrusion and Israel dealt with that on the northern border and Hezbollah just in the past uh, uh, little while has been threatening uh, engagement. And Hezbollah is basically an all-out proxy of the Iranian regime, which is uh, Iran is the world's largest supporter of, of terrorism. Uh, and this kind of regional conflagration uh, would not only damage Israel, but would make relations with all Arab states uh, between Israel and those states extremely difficult. And there's one other state, uh, one other entity that would uh, benefit from this, and, and that is Russia. And Russia has worked very closely with Iran. We know that Iran has provided vast uh, numbers of uh, killer drones, suicide drones, uh, 
uh, to Russia that were employed in Ukraine. Uh, we know that Russia has protected Iran at the United Nations mm-hmm. and elsewhere, and that uh, a war in this region that uh, involves Israel and Hamas at the very least uh, has captured the front pages of newspapers uh, around the world, which means that the Russian aggression in Ukraine is no longer the central focus, just as there are those who are wavering about supporting Ukraine. So uh, it would not be surprising if Russia also had a hand in this, at least indirectly. Uh, certainly, the more discontent that they can sow, the more advantageous it's going to be to, to Putin uh, with what he's doing and his, I guess, his long-term plan for uh, for regaining some of the uh, the old Soviet Union. How far does Israel go here, Professor? We know that they've already uh, retaliated. There have been some attacks and, and some deaths of Palestinian uh, deaths as a result of this. Uh, I know in the past uh, th- that there are reports that uh, when there have been retaliatory missile attacks in the past, uh, the Israeli government has tried in many circumstances to warn some of the Palestinian neighborhoods. You know, we're going to target this house. Please get it out of there now because we know that there's a Hamas presence in that in that same building. You can't do that all the time. I mean, the enormity and the size of the weapons used, uh, there's going to be damage. There's going to be deaths, and that seems to be happening now. Uh, is there a concern here that that while the world is shocked and sympathetic to the to the tragic events in Israel, that uh, that Netanyahu and his government could could overstep that by by simply uh, this mass uh, invasion that some people are calling for? Some people within the Israeli government are real, say this is the time now uh, that we simply move into to Gaza and and wipe out Hamas. Uh, the toll for that on both sides would be enormous. Is is that something that Netanyahu would actually consider? It is being considered uh, the decision uh, to actually declare war, uh, which uh, has to be done legal in Israel to be able to call up mass mobilization. And Israel has mobilized something like 300,000 troops at the moment, uh, calls for the er- eradication of Hamas's capacity to fight a war and to govern. And this could potentially be interpreted as the actual removal of the Hamas regime. Now, in the past, the policy in Israel has been one of uh, so-called mowing the lawn, that they would come back every two, three, four years and then uh, punish uh, Hamas for its rocket attacks or terrorist attacks in Israel uh, and then gain uh, a few years of peace. But this attack in Israel, this is sort of an Israeli 9-11 uh, 800 people killed, and not just killed, but in the sheer brutality mm-hmm. uh, it was done, the very deliberate uh, killing, uh, uh, the uh, celebrations of, of these killings, the humiliation of, of uh, uh, captives, the fact that 100-plus uh, people have been dragged into Gaza as hostages have so shocked Israel, have created such anger in Israel have sent the message that if Hamas would have the capacity, uh, they would try to kill everybody and that this is the goal of Iran, that they may now indeed wish to move forward and remove uh, the uh, uh, regime uh, that runs Gaza, which is uh, which is Hamas. Now, your question is a very important one. Would Israel, which now seems to have wall-to-wall support in the democratic world, retain that support? as casualties mount, because in any kind of military operation, no matter how careful you are, 
they're going to be casualties. We see this in any British, French mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or operation. Uh, that is that is the nature that is the nature of war. So the statement now by Mr. Biden, for example, where he said Israel has a right to defend itself, full stop, would indicate that all-out support. We have uh, uh, even you know not just uh, on the part of conservatives or certain uh, pro-Israeli groups making statements like that, but even on the uh, considerable left, uh, the mayor of Toronto, uh, 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 sorry, uh, Olivia Chow, said that uh, she unequivocally condemns, her words were unequivocally condemns uh, uh, the horrific Hamas terror attacks uh, in, in Israel. But as casualties are bound to mount, that will be a big question. Will Israel retain that support? Will there be pressure on Israel uh, to stop before they can remove uh, Hamas? Because uh, removal of the Hamas regime uh, would not only be uh, very difficult and very bloody, you have the hostages, and that has to be uh, something that uh, is on the minds of the Israelis how to, how to do that. Uh, but the images that will emerge, uh, and uh, uh, the images of war are always, always shocking. This is why the best thing is to avoid war, uh, makes it very, very difficult. Uh, and so we will have to see. But at the moment, there is such anger in Israel and there's such a realization that they cannot be going on like this under constant threat that uh, at the very least the border cities and kibbutzes, which now have seen this kind of extraordinary cruelty, the deliberate killing of civilians, I mean, just think of it, if the same policies were used by Israel, which is also reputedly a nuclear power, which has vast firepower, by now you would have hundreds of thousands of dead in Gaza. They would have that firepower. And yet uh, they, even in this point, uh, point of anger, they are restrained by key uh, military codes, as are all Western countries. But no code can bring about entirely surgical operations. It's just not possible. And it's certainly not possible when entities like Hamas are prepared to use human shields. Uh, and we've heard those stories, of course, uh, you know, setting up uh, military within hospitals, et cetera, in, in, in some of those regions. The key word here, though, and the key phrase, and you're right, President Biden used it, Prime Minister Trudeau, other world leaders, French President Macron, uh, Israel has a right to defend itself. That's an interesting phrase. Uh, does that mean you go as far as the border? Uh, does that mean no incursions into Gaza? Does that mean no incursions into other areas where they're being attacked? Uh, that's always been a, a sticking point with the with the Israeli government and their actions or reactions, I guess, to some of these attacks, hasn't it? It, it, it has been, and uh, uh, it has been uh, uh, a key restraint. And it's not always a bad thing to have that restraint. Mm-hmm. Are some points that you reach where you have to ask yourself, what is the solution to that problem? Uh, can you continue living under that kind of threat? Having demonstrated this kind of wanton human destruction, uh, where hundreds and hundreds of young people who are merely attending uh, a concert are deliberately murdered in cold blood, uh, where people are killed in the, their homes, uh, where they invade a kibbutz, and they herd people into uh, a dining hall and hold them hostage, uh, where in the history of the Jewish people, 
of pogroms and the Holocaust uh, to relive that kind of experience to firsthand, in the case of those who were victimized, uh, uh, to experience that existential threat, how long can they uh, uh, put up with something like that uh, before they take uh, 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 further, further action? And this is what we will have to see. Will Israel decide to take all the action for the removal of Hamas? Uh, how long will that take if they make that decision? Uh, how much uh, uh, Western support will continue to do that? Will there be an expansion of this conflict? Will uh, uh, Hezbollah become involved because uh, um, they are, uh, to a significant extent, uh, controlled by Iran? Would Iran become involved directly uh, as well because they have rockets that can reach Israel and they are close to a nuclear uh, capability? So this is a very difficult and dangerous and unpredictable time. I guess what muddies the waters to a certain extent too is, and I've heard this from some of the people that have commented on on the conflict and the war uh, in this area. Uh, they conflate Palestinians with, with in this case, Hamas. In other words, assuming that that if you're Palestinian, you must be supportive of Hamas, and and that's clearly not the case. Uh, in Gaza, there are Palestinians that are also being uh, herded into into living areas and ghettos uh, by by Hamas. It's, it's, so it's it's very difficult to to tell one side from the other. I know Hamas maintains that they are the voice and and the strength for Palestinians who have been been oppressed by the Israelis. That's that's been their common line for for a number of years right now. Uh, but how do you carry out a massive operation such as the Israelis seem to be considering right now? Uh, and and try to to maintain some sense of of who's right and who's wrong and who sh- we should be targeting in situations like that. You're raising a vital point, and and that is that uh, Hamas is a dictatorship, and uh, Hamas uh, came to power initially having some uh, significant support, but then uh, they no longer uh, uh, hold legitimate elections. Mm-hmm. In, in Gaza, they have often killed their opponents. They threw some of their opponents off ten-story buildings uh, for, from from the PA. They uh, have engaged in horrific repression of uh, the Palestinian population of Gaza. Uh, people who don't share the same religious beliefs, the people who are LGBTQ, uh, uh, people who may dissent politically, have been treated with horrific repression, uh, the billions of dollars that have flowed into Gaza that could have been used to uh, build Gaza into a prosperous uh, uh, entity um, were uh, expropriated to a significant extent by Hamas, and they built tunnels, uh, and they bought armaments, and they used it to train uh, their uh, uh, operatives uh, and pay sometimes lavishly to some of uh, the, the key leaders in Hamas. So in that sense, Hamas has not only been a tragedy for Israel, they have also been a disaster for the uh, Palestinian people. Uh, but how to remove them? And at the same time, how to protect the civilian population in Gaza? Uh, which, as in the case of many dictatorships, may by and large not support that dictatorship. You can't really measure a level of support correctly in a dictatorship because 
opposition is not allowed. There's no free press. There's no ability to create an independent society, a civil society. Uh, so how do you safeguard the, the majority of those people in, in uh, war? That is very, very, very difficult. And Hamas is making it more difficult because they don't seem to care that much about the lives of their own people. Mm-hmm. They care about their particular fanatical cause uh, and everything else uh, is merely instrumental to them. Uh, the next steps are going to be very, very key in, in exactly how this is going to shake down. And as you say, how global reaction is is going to be formed as well. Professor, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and always a pleasure uh, to get your very insightful perspectives on this. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for inviting me. That's uh, Professor Oral Brown, Professor of Political Science at University of Toronto, and of course, a professor at the Monk School of Global Affairs. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for uh, joining us for the Bill Kelly Podcast. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, bye-bye. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Rebecca Wizens and her team at Wizens Law. Rebecca Wizens is a 20-time winner of the Hamilton Reader's Choice Awards for their exceptional client care and legal practice specializing in personal injury, car accidents, accidental falls, and Wilson Estates. Now, if you or a loved one have been seriously injured, or if you want to make sure that your family is taken care of for the future with a will and powers of attorney, call Rebecca Wizens, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. When life happens, you can rely on Rebecca Wizens and Wizens Law. And trust me, Rebecca is my wife, and I don't know what I'd do without her. That's Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. Subscribe to my Substack for timely news updates and commentary straight to your inbox. Let's keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Let me know what you think we should be talking about next by contacting me through my website at www.billkelly.co. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bill Kelly. Till next time, you take care. Thank you.